Welcome to another edition of the 1% Better Podcast with your host, Rob O'Donoghue. Hi folks, welcome to another 1% Better episode. Uh, by the time this comes out, I think we might be somewhere in the 190 category, which is meaningful and meaningless probably both things depend on who you are um but this week i'm delighted to be talking with danielle grant of your mindset mentor and the tagline is where peak performance meets consciousness all things i really want to to dive into mindset peak performance consciousness and i soul alignment is somewhere in there as well so danielle welcome to the show Thank you, Rob. I'm so excited to be here. I'm so grateful to be on the show today. Delighted to have you. And uh, I was admiring your office in the background there, Audrey Hepburn, inspiring you um, for the next, uh, whatever, 50 minutes or so. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. She's my inspiration today. Very good. Very good. So I always like to know a little bit about the person I'm talking to. And when I was doing my research on you, you're from a place in, I'm going to butcher the name, but it's Kelowan, Kelowan. I don't know. Oh, so close. Kelowna. It's called Kelowna. Oh, God, I got it wrong altogether. So you're close. (laughs) In British Columbia, is it? That's right. In Canada. Yeah. Right. What side of Canada is that? Give me some geography lesson here. Yeah, you bet. So we're the West Coast. We're about three and a half hours outside of Vancouver. Okay. So you're probably eight, eight hours difference with me at the moment, is it? I am. Yeah, it's the middle okay. of my day right now. It's the evening for you, middle of the day over here. Yeah, very good, very good. So, um, great to talk to you. I don't, I don't know that area at all. Uh, are you from there originally? Is that where you grew, grew up? Is there maybe a little bit of background for 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 listeners? Yeah, I grew up here. Lived here for nineteen years, and then I left for ten years. It's a little bit of a smaller town, so I, you know, being a young person, wanted to get out. And I've been back now, home for three years. So it's it's been great to be back home. But this is home. Okay, and the um, the C word that we uh, we all know very well at the moment that is globally <laughs> maybe a different C word, but uh, coronavirus. <laughs> how is that um, in in your in your region, in your area at the moment? You know what? Up until yesterday, it was pretty good. We've been uh, everyone's pretty mindful here, but we had a little outbreak at one of our schools, so right. that was the first uh, mishap we've had so far. But it's been pretty good here. Otherwise, okay. I was reading during the week someplace in Canada actually has zero has zero coronavirus, and it had it had n- never had a case. Very kind of remote sort of region. I, I don't know. It was on the news, but um, in Ireland, just as we speak today, whatever date it is, the twenty second, we've just gone back into lockdown number two. For for the next six weeks, um, which is kind of a, a hardcore lockdown, um, doesn't feel as bad as the first one, even though it's pretty much the same. It's just you kind of get used to it, right? And that's probably some of the things we talk about today with our mindset and how we can adjust. So, um, so interesting question that I like to throw out there. What's the the last thing you've learned that has made a difference to you? What what jumps into mind when I ask that? Well, recently this summer, I decided to become a paragliding pilot. And so I had to learn how to become a paragliding pilot. And what I learned through that experience that I had known, but was really brought to the forefront to me was the people that show up and put the time in are the people that get better. And it's not a matter of being a certain type of person or having a certain type of equipment. It really comes down to the people that show up and put the time in are the people that become better pilots. And I never really thought about that because it's kind of the same thing in business, but it just reminded me that it does not matter what you're doing in life. If you show up consistently, you will improve, you will end up at the top and you will become one of the best. Mm -hmm. Good lesson. Uh, And Mm -hmm. Just on that, I presume you had to know how to paraglide before you could could become an instructor, right? 
Oh, sorry. I wasn't becoming an instructor. I was becoming a paragliding pilot. Oh, so right. I had no previous experience before and I just went for it. Okay. Wow. So no fear? Was it something that was uh, <laughs> something you've always wanted to do or what was the kind of trigger to, to say go for it? The irony in this is I've never really wanted to paraglide. I've never really been a, like drawn to it. I like to do adrenaline sports. I like to skydive, stuff like that, but never paragliding. And then this last year, I really made a decision to move through fear and to stop fear in within my mindset. Being a mindset mentor, I love to challenge that stuff. So I was always putting myself in fearful positions. And I had spent a lot of time in that mindset. So when the opportunity came for me to maybe paraglide, it wasn't necessarily, hey, I want to do this. It was more this calling of like, hey, let's see how far you've moved beyond that fear you're trying to move. And so that's actually what inspired me to do it. Later, I learned that it was something I always wanted to do. went through the journey. But it was really more to identify if I had been able to move through fear in my mindset, which I actually have been, and that was able to prove that to me. So it was amazing. Hmm, very good. So talk to me about your own journey to where you're at now. From reading, you've, you've you know gone around different paths and, and down different uh, roads, I presume, and come back up those roads and gone down other ones. So, so yeah, give me a bit of a story, a background on how you got to where you got to now. I love this story because my story definitely is a couple wrong turns or not wrong turns, but turns that should have been right instead of lefts. When I was 15 years old, I grew up in an environment that was very loving. Uh, it was very, we always were in sports and, and academics, but I was raised against a sister who excelled at everything. And so I had created this reality for myself that was really dark and deep. And I started to have suicidal thoughts. And so at 15, I wanted to take my life. And thankfully, a teacher had identified something wasn't right, contacted my mom, who then I ended up at the psychiatric ward for five days. And that was the first time in my life I'd really asked myself a question of like, why did I believe that to be true? Why did I believe my life was worth giving up? And I started to hear all of these reasons why I thought it wasn't worth giving up. And that's what really inspired me to become curious about mindset and attachment to thought more specifically. And I quietly, uh, no one really knew about that experience in my family even. I quietly went on in life, went into the corporate world and um, was also a, a college dropout. And so I, I was someone who was exploring mindset, not only from being um, in a depressive state, but also in a place where people told you you can never be anything if you didn't have a degree. And I went on for about 10 years studying personal development, climbing up corporate ladders, excelling in life, really navigating my own mindset. Again, not saying anything to anybody. And then uh, about eight years ago, I found myself in Thailand becoming curious about Buddhism. And that was the first time I'd really become curious about Buddhism itself. And I have spent basically the last eight years, close to nine years, studying Buddhism with Buddhist monks and getting to know a really understanding attack to thought from their perspective. And it's now been 18 years in total that I've been on this journey of understanding personal development and mindset, ego, conscious, subconscious, all of it. And I'm obsessed with it. I, this is what I'm extremely passionate about. This is clearly what I'm here to do. Three years ago, the corporate world um, kicked me out, which I was grateful for. And I haven't looked back ever since. I've had this business for three years now, your mindset mentor. So that's kind of the Coles Note quick version on me and how I got here. Very good. I'll dig into some of the, the parts of that, if that's okay, just to kind of, you know, unravel some of it. When you said you were 15 and you had the suicidal thoughts, like, was that something that you, you noticed building up that comparison that kind of, you know, loggerheads with your sister, even though that was probably all in your own head in, in many ways? Was it, what was the, the build up like? And what was the trigger point then, do you think that that kind of caused the, the attempt? Yeah, so it, had, it was building up for about years. And, um, at the, 
when I first kind of came into this state and was living within these stories and becoming more of my reality, my parents thought I needed to go see a counselor. And so I did the whole counseling thing, went through that route. Um, they never really identified to me that that's what was going on. They never addressed it. They never talked to me about that. I was creating these stories. So I spent years about three years in total in counselor sessions and in family counseling, trying to correct this problem. And I, I never really knew what was going on. I didn't understand. I was just this depressive person. That's what I'd attached to. But the, the thing that triggered it for me was that my parents were getting a divorce. My mom came home one day and said, I'm leaving your dad. And my sister freaked out. And um, it was a very in intense situation. And it made me realize in that moment that I had nothing to live for because the reality that I thought I was living for was about to be broken. And that was the trigger point for me and the behavior that my sister exuded that caused me to want to basically say, this is it. I have nothing worth living for now. Hmm. Well, that, that's, um, yeah, that's, it's interesting to, to hear the, the, the events, I suppose that, that brought it up. And as soon as you tried and it didn't work luckily, cause you're, you're obviously here now, what, what was, was there a, a release after that or did you feel different after that attempt and, and you said you were in hospital for five days but just even how things changed just around that how, how quickly things changed in the moment that it was happening i didn't feel any different and i think that's something a lot of people think will happen mm. um it took me it took me some time of being in that state of by myself and only listening to my thoughts and now having this conscious question of of where once I started to explore that question of why did I believe and I started to hear all the reasons why I started to feel a little bit more like I had an answer that I was looking for. And that's what caused me to feel like, okay, I, I am worth it. And there was something else going on and I didn't see it. And that was the moment for me that made everything change. Hmm. Okay. And um, afterwards you said we, we kind of finished school and went and, and dropped out in college. Just curious, was that uh, a course that you, decided that you wanted to do just for the sake of doing it I, i'm asking because i i dropped out of college as well um and it was you know looking back one of the best things that i ever did in so many ways um but what i and what i really wanted to do i i didn't get originally in college so i did something else um and i'm kind of really doing what i want to do now although it took me about 20 years to to kind of get there sort of thing so just interested on did you settle for a different option would you have done it differently um, I never wanted to go to post-secondary. It was something that everyone else wanted for me. And mm -hmm. so when I expressed I didn't want to do that, I actually wanted to become a, a motivational speaker. That's what I really wanted to do because I had this desire all along. And my personal life experience was allowing me into that space. And everyone told me I couldn't do it. So I went to what everyone told me. And within my first semester, I was like, this is ridiculous. This is not for me. I don't learn in this environment. I don't want to be here. This is for everyone else but me. And if my family disowns me, then they disown me. That's on them. And I came home, I told them. And within a month and a half, I packed my stuff up and moved out of town to start my young adulthood life. Mm -hmm. What were you doing in college? What was it that you were studying? I was studying business. Okay. And that, that, that wasn't doing it for you for sure. So talk to me about some of the roles you took in in corporate, you said you climbed up the ladder, uh, you know, again, similar from that perspective. But I think the, the cliche is as you get up that ladder and look from different perspectives, you, you realize, you know, there's nothing to see there. That, that really mm -hmm. was what was motivating you. So, you know, talk to me a little bit about that. And, and then I'm very interested in, in hearing about, you know, diving into the Buddhism area. Yeah, I love the way that you uh, position that when you get to different levels or perspectives, you start to see that it's not what you thought it was, which is so very true. 
So my corporate world, I am, you know, I've always excelled. I started at a young age in management, started when I was 17 at a, as a key holder in a skateboard company in our mall here. And I ascended up to be the general manager within six months. And that was when I was 18 by that time. And then I moved into the corporate world. I worked in sales and marketing for a couple of years, excelling in those roles. And then I worked in the car industry and the car industry is what changed it for me. The car industry was something that I never thought I would work in, never thought anything positive about it. But when the opportunity presented itself, it was to sell luxury cars. And that was something that appealed to me because I was from the corporate world. I wanted the picket fence. I wanted the nice cars. I wanted all the money. So to me, that seemed like I was getting closer to that goal that I thought I wanted. But that was the one that when I got there, I realized just what it was really like. I realized that money didn't buy happiness. I realized that people were going broke trying to... um, pay for these expensive cars. I realized that most people in their marriages, even though they were rich, were very unhappy. And that was the really big turning point for me to realize like, hey, I actually am chasing something that isn't for me. It never was for me. This is what society wants. I've never been that person. I don't want to be that person. I bought the luxury car. I didn't feel any better about myself. And from that point, I ended up kind of working a little bit more in the corporate world. I worked for one of my customers as her personal assistant, which was a really fantastic job because it offered me business experience at a high level. And then from there, I went back to the, the car industry for one year in the finance office. And that was it. That was when I had really kind of made a decision that year. Within the next year, this is all I'm going to do. I'm going to go become an entrepreneur. I don't know what that looks like. And then gratefully, I lost my job. From there, I've never looked back. But the turning point for me was selling cars and realizing that nothing is what I thought it was. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. You do kind of need to, to go down those avenues and, 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 and realize that because it all looks great from, you know, from afar, the grass is greener, but when you're actually there, there's no substitute for that, right? Because at least you know then it actually isn't what it's supposed to be and your search kind of can go in a different direction. Um, and I'm interested going in that direction. You said you got to Thailand what brought you there? What was the draw to go there? Was it purposeful or was it just random? It was, I was 25 years old and I was wanting to party and a bunch of us wanted to go travel. There was no intention behind it. I had no idea that that trip was going to uh, really be the next massive pivot in my life. Hmm. So tell me about it then. Tell me what, what was the, the journey there? Cause I, you probably can't see um, behind me. There's a shelf there with, with a, a, a section of meditation and Buddhism books that I, have kind of dived into over the last five or six years myself um obviously with the whole meditation and mindfulness mainstream you know it's interesting i talk to people and they get tense when you talk about meditation because they think it's another thing they have to do just to fit in or to to, you know find time to do that and it's certainly not about that at all but i've never spent time per se in thailand kind of studying it and getting accustomed and and really diving in so i'd love to hear your your journey through that yeah so what happened in thailand was really the first time that i'd been exposed to buddhist culture i'd had buddhist statues all over my house and and wasn't really into it on that level just on a surface level but when i went to thailand with my friends I found myself really attracted to the temples and the energy, and I really felt the pull. And so it took us about three weeks before we went up to Chiang Mai, which is northern Thailand, and we started to explore some of the temples there. And that's what, as soon as I got in there, I started to just internally hear this this voice saying, this is where you're supposed to be, and and like pay attention and and feel how you feel and really see what's going on. This is new to you. And I, I really felt whole. I felt like it was where I needed to be. 
And then when we left Thailand and I came back to Canada, I became, that's when I started to really get into the Buddhism. I started to get more texts. I started to get more context of it, started to dive more into it. And about a year went by and then I decided to go to Bali. I said, okay, I want to do a solo trip to Bali. I really want to get into this. Now I'm really into it. I want to understand this. So I went to Bali on a solo trip, again, found out some temples, started talking to the Buddhist monks that were in there and decided that when I got home to Canada, I needed to find a temple because they're everywhere. People don't understand that. They're everywhere. I needed to find a temple where I could meet with a monk one-on-one and learn from him and ask questions. And so at the time I was living in Edmonton, Canada, and I seeked out a local temple and gratefully there was one close by and I started going there every Friday, they would do open sessions and I could ask questions and they would answer, they would give me things to read. And that's when I started to really understand that this wasn't a religion. This wasn't, um, you know, just another thing to do. This was, this was a complete understanding of life to its truest and fullest capacity. And this was something that was very intriguing to me. And from that moment, I've never looked back and I've become extremely obsessed with anything in the Buddhist culture. I've been reading stuff for, you know, 5,000 years back and really rooting it down into what it is, not a religion. It's a way of life. It's an understanding of life. Mm -hmm. Did you dive into kind of retreats and long meditation sessions over days and things like that? Have you, have you dipped into that? I haven't gone to, there's a place locally here that does stuff like that, but I haven't put myself in a position in those environments. Have I put myself in those positions in my own environment? Absolutely. In fact, one of the ways I built this business was through meditation. Right. Very, very interesting. Yeah, it's, um, there's, as you said, there's temples everywhere. There, where I live in Cork, there's one about an hour and a half away, which um, um, which has been there 30 years and they're building a, you know, a new one which which is fascinating and <clears throat> a guy I actually interviewed on the show last year um, just again last week he's currently doing a run called the 3100 mile race I don't know if you've heard of that it's um, it's, it's in honour of uh, of this monk Sri Chinmoy is the guy's name he was based in the US for, for years but he had set up a a 3100 mile race every year and it, it's run around a half a mile block in in new york um and this year it's not happening in new york it's actually happening in in austria and in salzburg but um but from diving into many different deep meditators over the last few years from talking to them and, and you know seeing the similar sort of mindsets that come out of it exactly that though you you know mindset mentor from what from buddhism really helped shape your mindset because if you think of mindset and a growth mindset you might think of carol dueck's work you're probably familiar with that um but just how how mindset became the focal point of your business where did that come from what influences brought that together i'd love to hear a story and deep dive into that that's a really good question especially because when we talk about mindset and growth mindset. That is the person that typically, Carol Duick is the person we typically associate to. When I was in the psychiatric ward at 15, and I started to ask that question of why did I believe that my life wasn't worth giving up? I started to hear all the different reasons. And when I heard all the different reasons, that's what allowed me to become curious of like, well, where have these been living the whole time? Like, how are these all of a sudden here? Like, what are they just part, this part of my brain? And that's what really piqued my interest. And that's where I started to understand that the mindset is different aspects. So there's the ego mindset, which is our human aspect. There's our subconscious mindset, which is part of our human aspect, but is rooted in our spiritual aspect. And then there's our conscious, which is obviously our higher self. 
And then where's our super conscious, which is infinite source intelligence. And that's what really started to become curious of like, hey, these mindsets live in different areas. These thoughts, these emotions, these beliefs live in different places. Where do they live? They're not in your brain. And that's when I started to look into the Buddhism started to answer that question for me because it started to explain those different aspects of ourselves and within this human journey. And so I started to become really curious about specifically the ego subconscious and conscious and understanding how they actually played in our life, what they look like, why society didn't talk about them. And that's really the journey of me bridging like personal development and bridging mindset is understanding that part of Buddhism, which is the actual mindsets that we live within. Mm-hmm. And why do you think you said society doesn't talk about those. Why, why does it not address them? What do you think is the reason it doesn't go there? Because they know how powerful the truth is. And there's many, many governments that have done tests in the 1940s, the Americans being one that just actually recently this year during COVID quietly published the report publicly that in 1940, they did a, a study proving that humans were able to manipulate their beliefs, thoughts, and stories because they were energetic states and they had the ability to create their reality. And near the bottom of the report, it basically talked about how, in essence, in short form, this information can't get out and people can't know about this. And so that is why for a long time our society, they're in control. We're, we're monkeys, we're puppets of the, the marketing and the social and the media. And whoever was in charge of that knew and they knew that we should not know that information. And so it's been termed new age information today, but it's not, it's the oldest age information we have. Mm. And that's available now. I must, is there a name on that report or just something that would be interested in, in reading? If you look up law of attraction, CIA 1940, I can't remember okay. the exact title of it. You'll find it. Okay. Interesting. I yeah. do. I, I could, I, for, I will send it to you, Rob. I do have no a worries. link for it. Yeah. No, just, yeah. just fascinating to, kind of read what was in it and and why it was withheld because obviously um you know that's it's it's fascinating as you said with with the whole covid scenario people's heads are turned a little bit and as you said it can trickle out some other crazy information because i think as well earlier this year they they released some footage of ufo type objects and uh that that were was held for 20 years and i think anyone that could you know google that it came out from an official government source that these are objects that there is no explanation for. There's probably lots of other things they're trickling out um, as well. So, so you mentioned becoming an entrepreneur three years ago and bringing in your learnings. Um, it's it's funny, isn't it? Like from when you were 15, little did you realize that that event was going to be the turning point and, and lead you along this path and, and give you that kind of confidence. And I, from talking to you, and, and I get a very strong sense of confidence and self-belief on that. Is that something you have to work on? Is that something that comes comes out through your through meditation? Or, or how do you uh, instill that in you? That's a really good question. Um, you know, the confidence is something that you create internally. And if you have certain beliefs that allow you to stand in a confident state, um, then you can be confident. Have I been confident my whole life? Sure. Am I more confident now as an entrepreneur, as a business owner, because I had to be? Yes. How did I get there? Through affirmations and meditation, through visualizing myself being confident and showing up on calls like this, exuding confidence. Absolutely. That's how I did it. Mm -hmm. And on days when you're feeling that negative self-talk coming in and you know questioning everything what what are your uh approaches or, or pivot points how do you turn that around 
the first thing is I do is I don't avoid it. I don't put it on my to-do list to like journal out later. I deal with it right then and there. I grab a piece of paper and a pen, which for anyone listening, that is one of the most powerful things you can do is put pen to paper to gain clarity on anything. And I I simply ask myself, Danielle, what are you believing to be true right now? What are you believing to be true? And I'll, I'll list all the bullshit that I'm hearing in my mind, all the limitations, and then I'll look at it and say, is that like, why are you believing that to be true? Where does that come from? And it's always some underlying childhood belief around worthiness or like you're afraid or judgment or whatever it is. It's all, there's not very many of them. They're all the same. And then I ask myself, well, what do I want to believe to be more true? Well, what I want to believe to be more true is whatever the opposite of that situation is. And then what I do is I continually to re- repeat that affirmation. I, to stand up, I get myself in a confident state while repeating that affirmation. So I'm actually changing my energetic state and my attachment to what I was attached to before. And then I start working on that thing. And now I'm in a new mental feedback loop of one that's like supporting and guiding me of where I want to go. Mm-hmm. So you're effectively changing state in a way, right? There's a, I've heard, I think it was Tony Robbins a while ago, if he's kind of having a, a funky day like that, you know, go for a five-minute rapid walk or do a bit of a run. You're just changing your physical state, which has an impact on your mental state. And you know, neuro, uh, the neuroscience behind that was probably releasing you know dopamine or serotonin or whatever other chemical that's coming out. So it's kind of flipping it around. So your approach of doing those tasks help help with that. Is there any anything else that you've you typically as go tos or, or other things you do in your coaching or mentoring to help people get out of that? You know, mindset's a real simple place and people really want to overcomplicate it and personal development as a whole is. And I don't normally recommend anything else because the number one reason why people are stuck where they are is because they're holding on to a, a belief system. And the only way to move beyond a belief system is to see it. And the only way to see it is to down. And then you have the choice to change it. So we can do all the meditations and visualizing and do all that stuff. But ultimately, if you don't actually change the belief in the subconscious, it doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think we are all guilty of having too many tools in the toolkit, right? And, and not using any of them appropriately. I, I actually, in my day job, recently did a, a survey um, uh, with, with business leaders. And one of the pieces that came back is it's all about what habits, behaviors do you apply to make habits? And one of the lowest uh, percentage response on, on one of the criteria was journaling. Like very few people actually do it because it sounds too easy to do almost it and it, because it's not hard sometimes you, you don't want to do it because it, it doesn't take that much effort and it there's kind of that sense of no it couldn't there couldn't be much value in that but it's totally um totally wrong right it's it is scientifically proven to uh to change and make you feel better about whatever it is you're looking at yeah it's um it's the only tool i really use is pen to paper i mean call it journaling call it creative writing call it whatever you want it's just putting pen to paper. And, and most people don't journal more so that it's not easy, more because there's a, an internal stigma for themselves that they're above that or that's for kids or, you know, it's it's for girls or whatever. So it's not even a matter of it being easy. It's their own internal perception. Mm-hmm. Very interesting. So talk to me about, we're kind of diving in. I, I did ask the question, I probably asked a different one, but about your setting up the business and becoming an entrepreneur, just the, the, the process you went through that and, and how that I suppose, came to pass and how you kind of landed on the things you really wanted to kind of focus your business on? That's such a loaded question. When I got let go from my last corporate job, it was the day before my 29th birthday. And um, the next day, you know, my mom phoned and said, happy birthday. And I said, I don't have a job. And she freaked out like any mom would. But at the same time, 
she had just purchased um, a course teaching people how to leverage the online space. And at the same time, I was also starting to become aware that people were leveraging the online space to build profitable businesses. And so she gifted that to me. And that day I got started on the course. I started researching how people were learning how to leverage the online space. People were doing membership sites, courses, all this good stuff. So I went down that path and started to become uh, what was going on. But what I landed on was actually an e-commerce store at the beginning. And for about four months, I built an e-commerce store. I was drop shipping out of China and it was great. I, I enjoyed it. It was, it was actually profitable, but it wasn't really impactful. It wasn't really like driving that purpose inside. And so I, I took about two months off to really ask myself, what am I here to do? Like, obviously I want to be an entrepreneur. I've always wanted to be a motivational speaker. I've always been in a personal growth and mindset. I've always helped people. I've always been helping people with their personal problems because I have experience in it. And for two months, I actually listened to Gary Vaynerchuk every day, mm -hmm. more so listening to him on how to create a strategy and what needed to be done and the kind of mindset I needed to actually be a successful entrepreneur. And in January of 2018, I basically decided I'm going to start a personal development company. I started actually helping high income achievers stop living paycheck to paycheck from coming out of the corporate world. That's something that I saw. And over making numerous pivots and, and aligning with what I want, I landed on your mindset mentor, helping entrepreneurs with their mindset. But it was, a, it was a long journey. It was a long process. And I had a little bit of a distorted mindset around thinking that my business and corporate experience would allow me to step into entrepreneurship successfully. But it didn't because entrepreneurship is a whole new beast in a game and I had no experience in it. So that was a really steep learning curve of having to be an entrepreneur. And what I mean by that is working for myself, being accountable, actually taking action, getting dressed in the morning, showing up and doing work, like doing things that entrepreneurs need to do to move the business forward that corporate people don't do. That was the number one thing that I had to put my own mindset work behind because I had to create this no, new behaviors and patterns for myself. Mm. Was that the hardest and most uncomfortable thing to do in that journey or what kind of looking back what was the real thing okay this is really challenging my my mindset here i have to walk the walk what were the, the kind of key obstacles or hurdles for you the first one was getting on video and it was right. very much in my head around video and judgment and what people were going to think and so it took me a long time but the way that i got over that was i decided to do a hundred live streams in a hundred days and no problem. I've now done thousands of videos and it's no problem, but that's how I got over that one. What one that I'm still in with now is actually worthiness. I'm still trying to find, not trying. I'm still aligning with the worthiness that is me of the product that I'm offering. And so I'm, I'm not a hundred percent behind it, but internally I'm getting there, which is the most important part. Mm. Is it definitely interesting about the video thing and all of these things I find when you nail it yourself and, and you become comfortable with it, you forget quickly how difficult it was. And then, you know, it's it's easy then to kind of say, well, it's you, you see somebody else struggling with it and it kind of brings you back to say, yeah, I remember now. It's that kind of curse of knowledge. When you know something so well, you, you don't think it was that, that everybody else should already know it. But I found even when I was kind of doing a lot more of this um, and doing, I was doing one minute videos every week, you get into a momentum and then when you stop, it's very hard to get back into it again, right? It's it's like like running. If you haven't ran for about a month, when you go again, you feel like you had never done it before. So it's it is a momentum thing. I think it's important to kind of keep that um keep that going. Did you, did you find that certainly with the streams and you know, if you're doing it for a hundred days in a row, you have serious momentum. You know what? I did see that. But one of the things I learned through that process that I'd never had awareness around so much before 
was just how much of a mindset that actually is. And so when I would stop producing videos for a couple of months and then I would have to get back to producing videos, I didn't allow my mindset to go to a place of this is difficult or I'm lacking momentum or this is hard. I knew that it was already there to begin with. So I didn't, I didn't start there. I decided to create a new mindset. Today's a great day to create a video. I'm so looking forward to getting my momentum back. I can't wait to create this video right now. And I would start to produce those mindsets before I would create the video. So I, I learned how to eliminate that stage really quick. And I think a lot of people need to learn how to do that because it's like you use the running analogy. The only reason why it's difficult is because you currently are in a feedback loop that believes that you stopped and now you've got to get back. And the way to get back is hard work and effort. So it produces those mindsets, but you can change those. Those aren't real mindsets. They're just stories that we believe. And with that example, did you go back to writing down what what was going through it again? You just used that process and then it's it's kind of flipped into it. I'd still use that process today. I do not stop that process. That's the number one reason that's allowed me to continue to grow and pivot and move through the uncomfortable part of my business is that I continually journal out my day-to-day problems that I have internally. Mm-hmm. And as you were pivoting to where you're at now, you look back, what were the biggest mistakes you made? You think that geez, if I had my time over again, I would have done this a little bit differently. That's a really good question. One thing I want to say before that is one of the things you previously said was sometimes we forget where we, where we were. One of the things Matthew McConaughey said one time in a, in a thing was always remember or not Matthew McConaughey. Um, one, one thing that the rock said in a video once was always remember where you came from. And that stuck with me and I wrote it on a piece of paper. And so every couple of months, I'll actually stop and remind myself like, hey, remember how hard it was? Remember how difficult it was? And so I just wanted to say that to those of you that are listening, like it's important to to do that. But to the question you asked in terms of lessons, there's two lessons that I really have learned from there. Number one is... I had this perception that I could build this business faster than anyone else because everyone online was talking about these fast, get rich, quick businesses. And so my mindset had kind of fallen into that place a little bit. And I realized that that was the wrong mindset and it was actually holding me back from getting growth faster at the beginning because I was so mad that I wasn't getting the fast results instead of just realizing it was a long game. When I started to really uh, uh, adapt this mindset of it being a long game, which Gary Vaynerchuk talks about all the time, I started looking at things differently. I didn't get mad when things didn't work out. I was able to pivot faster. So that was a big lesson that I learned. The second lesson that I learned is just how important it is as an entrepreneur that you are in alignment with yourself because most entrepreneurs are in alignment with what everyone is, everything everyone else is telling them to do. And that's not true to them. And then it creates resistance and, and it's not fun for anybody. But when you're in alignment with yourself and your beliefs are in alignment with yourself, your money story is in alignment with yourself, all of that's in alignment with you. Everything in your business becomes flow and ease. And if more entrepreneurs would get into that state, they would move their business faster. They would scale faster. They'd make more money faster faster and they'd have way less headaches but most people miss that step and so those are two lessons that i i learned right away and i still will continue to learn Mm -hmm. so the question then is and not to give away all your secrets right but just to to help uh, some people listening and it's the common challenge is you know you're living somebody else's dream right but but how do i find what my dream is or or what how do i get that alignment with myself of what my, my my values are and a lot of the coaching i do is around people struggling as to where, whether to quit this job and start that job or do that. And, and ultimately, they're not figuring out what, what's important to them. So what's your approach to kind of tap into that or help people to do that, that you've obviously applied to yourself, I presume? And you know what? I give all my secrets away for free. If anyone wants to follow any of my content, I give it all away for free because most people won't even act on it anyway. So if mm-hmm. someone wants to listen to this and act on it, 
amazing, but it's really simple. It's the same process I gave you before. And I call it the three-step mindset framework, which were those three questions I journal out. And what I do is I get them to continually do it. So we'll do it one day, three days later, we'll do the same exercise. Five days later, we'll do the same exercise. And every time you do the same exercise, asking those same questions over and over again, you, you get a little bit deeper in the subconscious that much more, tapped into the conscious that much more. And the more you do it, the more you start to see how you were very surface level to begin with. You were unsure. You didn't know what you wanted to do. You didn't know what direction to go. But the more you go through the same questions over and over again, the more you get clear, the more you gain consciousness, the more you see it for what it is, the more you start to get the truth. And so it's not about doing a big process. It's about doing the same process over and over again. Mm-hmm. Repeating the cycle. And, and do you find some people get to that promised state or figuring that out faster than others? Is there, do you ever give people a, you know, in sometimes people lose heart, right? So they, if you say, well, this is going to take 10 weeks, people might get a bit, um, lose the momentum or lose the will. So it, if you kind of give them in two weeks time, you're going to have a lot clearer perspective. What, what's your kind of approach to, to ensure there's, um, and again, this is tapping into to dopamine and the reward system of, of keeping people motivated to get there. What, what, what's your, your approach for that? Really? That's a really good question, Rob. And one of the things that I tell people all the time is uh, mindset work actually is very quick. And I don't like to give people timeframes because people attach them so aggressively. But when you work in mindset and when you actually start working in the things that'll give you truth, you can get answers very quickly. And once someone sees an answer to something that they've been looking for for a very long time, very quickly, they have a lot of trust immediately. And there's that conscious voice inside that's saying, yeah, let's, let's keep going. Let's keep finding that. Like, so that instills the trust in them because they've started to align with their higher self. They've started to align with the conscious energy. And so when I tell people, like, how fast can you see a result? very fast. And I actually had a client today who I was working with. And that was one of the questions he asked me when we first started working together. Well, how fast are you going to help me? And we've only been working together for two months and he's not even the same person. And he's like, I didn't believe you at the beginning that you could help me fast, but I believe now. And the only reason why he believes now is because I'm showing him an aspect to him he's never seen. And once you see it, you find all the truth. And that's when the transformation happens fast. The reason why people don't get transformations fast is because they don't actually see the truth. And so they can't see the end result beyond that space anyways. Mm -hmm. And I I find with my coaching and 90% of the time, obviously the people have the answer themselves. They just need somebody else to, to help them get there and just to be that objective person that will listen and ask them tough questions rather than their partner or best friend who who won't who'll shy away from that and you know that's as much there as much there is magic related to coaching and and a lot of uh interesting approaches sometimes it can be very simple and it, you just need to hold people accountable so i think uh, i totally agree with you there just interested in goal setting and i know one of your goals is to have impacted a million uh, clients, I guess, by 2025. Was that something I saw on your website? Uh, impact a million entrepreneurs by Entrepreneur, 2025. Yeah. 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 So it's a lofty goal, right? So how do you come up with goals? That's obviously great to have high aspirational goals, but even for the shorter term ones, how do you set goals? What's your approach for that? And um, how do you kind of measure your progress along? That's a really good question. So the first thing I do is I don't actually use the term goals. Uh, most people have a negative connotation and understanding of goals in their subconscious mind, which actually creates more resistance to people accomplishing goals. So I call them intentions. A lot of my content will use the term goals because people resonate, but they're actually intentions. And so I actually intend 
to impact a million entrepreneurs by 2025. And so when you intend to do something, things become a little bit different. So I work backwards. Okay, if I'm going to impact a million people by 2025, what does that look like? What has to happen? And I begin to work backwards on if that's going to happen by 2025, what has to happen in 2024? What has to happen in 2023? What has to happen in 2022? And we'll work backwards and kind of see what those numbers look like. Obviously, subjective to like the compound effect or anything like that. But then what I do is I, I'm like, okay, how many people can I impact this month that will help me give me the ripple effect of impacting that many more entrepreneurs? Because it's not necessarily clients I need, it's the impact of entrepreneurs. So that could be someone that comes, listens to a podcast of mine and is radically transforms beyond that place. That would be somebody that I impact. So every month, I'm making sure my podcast is growing, my audience is growing, the people that are downloading and opting into my stuff is growing. And, if, and most people will have a certain number. I have a certain number of a bottom number. I have to be growing by a certain amount every month. I'm not looking for the top number. I'm looking for the bottom. Once I hit the bottom, I've hit it. If I go past it, that's great. But every month I'm looking at it. I have analytics coming to me every Friday. The bottom line for me in terms of those intentions or goals, am I taking daily and perfect action every day that's moving me closer towards that? Whether that's a podcast episode, a content piece, a connection request, something. Am I doing that every day? Because if I do that every day, I know by the laws of the universe, I will have impacted that many people because that's how law of reciprocity works. That's how law of attraction works. And so that's how I build my goals and my intentions. It's a very energetic base. And just am I taking action every day? Because if I am, then the universe will give me what I desire because that's how it works. Hmm. Yeah, interesting. And it's very analytical. It's very, you know, data driven in, in a way, right? That, uh, you know, you, you uh, I, not you, but when I talk to, to coaches and, you know, they might have very lofty um, aspirational goals of, of doing, you know, changing the world and putting a dent in the universe and all of those sort of things. And you have a number and a date, right? And that's in my background of project management, that is a kind of a smart goal. They would term it, right? That uh, it's specific and measurable and achievable, all, all of that stuff. So, and it's nice to see that there's a, there's, there's logic uh, as well as, you know, passion. There, both of those things kind of work together well sometimes. Um, so that's that's quite interesting to hear. Um, just on peak performance then, what, what, are, what are the aspects of peak performance? You, you, you've called out peak performance as a, as a key. Maybe just give me some kind of characteristics of that and how you help people reach that. So those are, those are the different aspects of, of, of us as entrepreneurs. And when I talk about peak performance, it's about aligning that aspect of your business, how you operate meetings, how you work with clients, how you how you are the CEO, how that aspect of you internally is actually aligned with the human aspect to you. So for instance, you decide that you want to show up as an entrepreneur and you want to have peak performance in um, outreach in your sales strategy. You want to become one of the best within what you do for sales. In order for you to become peak performance is in sales within your organization, your mental mind, your beliefs, thoughts, and stories need to be in alignment with your higher self, what you truly desire, not what everyone else wants, not what the universe is telling you or what, sorry, what society is telling you, what you really want. And then are you, the human self, actually in alignment with the inner self now? Are the actions and the way that you're showing up externally showing up internally? So you want to become the best at sales. Is internally your belief system believing that you are, or is it in lack? Are you in unworthiness? Do you not believe you can have it? 
So when we talk about peak performance, it's about getting your inner self, your higher self, your conscious self into alignment with your human self, your ego self. And most of the time, those two are not connected instantly because that's the the behaviors of the ego. So if you want to get into peak performance, you need the two of them to synergistically work together. And what I do is I help entrepreneurs correct the inner work that becomes them into alignment with their human self, which allows them to optimize at a really high state with no resistance and there's flow and there's ease and it's exactly what they want. And it's just fun. And so that's how I help people get into peak performance. And it's in every aspect of our life because we have performance in all, in all areas. Interested to think though, when you help certain clients to get there, that by going through that internal check-in and figuring out their ego, how often do they realize I'm doing actually the wrong job here this is not what i actually want to be and they, they want to you know take a right turn or a complete 180 what, what's have you seen that and is that something that pops up regularly all the time it's probably like close to 85 percent. even i mean i was talking to a guy yesterday who's got a successful business and he's had it for years but he's the bottleneck in his business and he's not having peak performance and in his outreach because he feels like he's the only one that can do it properly. And so instead of outsourcing and help and hiring a team to help him, he's got a belief that only he can do it. So I have to help him correct that belief because he's not in peak performance living within that belief. And so once you help someone correct that, then they can move beyond it. But at the beginning, he didn't see that. He didn't see that being a problem. He thought it was everybody else. It's like, no, actually that belief that you hold to be true about that is the reason why you're stuck. Mm, yeah you're you're doing yourself out of business sometimes in that scenario but obviously they they want to stay with you then to uh to go in a different path in a different direction and, and probably be even more successful because they're going to be working towards something like that's the thing if they're successful even if they're you know in spite of not being passionate about it imagine how successful they can be if they're aligned to whatever they're trying to do you know yeah, I don't lose a lot of clients. A lot of clients stick around because every new level we move into in life in general, there's a new aspect of our subconscious that arrives that we have to work through. And so it doesn't matter if you're a, you know, a billionaire, you still have internal challenges that you have to work through. That's the point of life is growth and ascension. And so we can't ever escape that reality. Mm -hmm. How do you find clients now? Because we talk about subconscious a lot. We, you know, you obviously infuse soul and 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 are influenced by Buddhism and higher self and ego. That can can make people a little bit uncomfortable. I would imagine a bit scared. It's a bit woo woo and not you know aligned to the hard nose you know numbers of what business is about. How do they? Uh, I suppose drop their guard and how, how how do you approach kind of getting them a little bit more open and, and potentially vulnerable perhaps i hold a belief to be true that i actually don't attract those type of people and the people that i work with are ready for me and those are the people that i attract when we want to talk about subconscious and energy i believe that to be true and so if someone comes across my profile and it's a little too woo-woo or anything they actually naturally repel themselves because i also hold that belief to be true uh, I, I don't have conversations trying to convince people about this. They're more curious because they're ready for it. So it's a little bit of a different situation, but I created it to be that way. Mm -hmm. So you don't do any hard selling. Effectively, when somebody comes to you, you know they're ready and, and off you go. And, and that makes it a lot simpler, right? You don't have to... Uh you know you don't have to put extra effort in, which, which probably ultimately is, is probably wasted effort, I would imagine. Anyone who's trying to do a hard sell is out of alignment right there. If you're trying to do a hard sell, your belief system internally is out of alignment. No sale should ever feel hard. It's what you believe to be true. Mm, 
very very interesting yeah is that uh, like a gary v i have I, I followed him a few years ago i haven't i haven't kept up with all of all of that stuff i just don't uh not that i don't have time but just some stuff some i buy into and others i just it's it's almost it's it's too much there's too much information thrown at you in some ways i think i've blocked out certain um folks like that completely so i, I just don't see them on feed anymore but do you ever find, do you get selective on what you pick up? How do you kind of filter out a lot of, uh, not just him, but others that, that you know, what's important and what's what's not? It's funny that you say that because um, as I say, I've listened to Gary Vaynerchuk. What I didn't mention was that I turned Gary Vaynerchuk off when I started my business because that was his advice. Take the information and run with it. Most people aren't. You're going to keep listening and you're not going to do anything about it. So I actually shut everybody out and I really don't have a lot of people in my world unless there's something I'm struggling with and I need that expertise, I'll tap into it at that time. But once I've gotten what I need, I don't stick around. I have a newsfeed eradicator on my Facebook feed. I have certain boundaries around when I'm on social media. So I'm very cognizant of, of what I have going on inside of like what I'm listening to. So I think a lot of people have to be conscious of that for themselves. Mm, yeah, definitely. I think when I started podcasting four or so years ago, I had influencers that inspired me to do it. Um, but then as I started, I, I literally stopped listening to all of those. And anytime I listen to them now, I, I, I don't I don't connect with them anymore. And, and part of that was conscious because I didn't want to be influenced by them even subconsciously that I'd end up talking about the content and it's just regurgitating what other people said and and other part other parts just you naturally kind of over time move away from some people and are influenced by others you know so have you found something similar when you've started your own podcast and you're you you know you're kind of going your own path with that as well totally Totally. And actually people think it's crazy when they ask me like, well, who are the people that you listen to and look up to? And I'm like, nobody, I don't have time. I got to stay in my own lane. I got to be focused, you know? So uh, yeah, I mean, I, I turn people out. I turn people on when I need them and I turn them off when I don't. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 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 No, that's definitely, I think a good, good approach. Um, just interested. I know we're coming up near time on, on it and it was fascinating to hear your journey, uh, so far. And it sounds like, you know, things are going going well and um your podcast then just talk a little bit about the episodes and what you kind of put out in that and do you do interviews as well or is it predominantly solo stuff yes my podcast is predominantly solo stuff i do do interviews um when i started my podcast i did run a series called inspirational interviews but my podcast is really mindset and entrepreneurship and spirituality based. And what it actually became for me was the safest place that I had to share my content in the most authentic, vulnerable way. And so my content on my podcast is very raw and very real. It's also about my own personal journey and the mindset challenges I experienced as an entrepreneur and how I navigated them and what I was experiencing. But the podcast is really there to help people, one, understand mindset on a deeper level, to start to understand the woo-woo spiritual stuff that you know people are so seemingly afraid of or aren't ready for. And then the third one is obviously to um, be in the entrepreneurship and to see what it's actually like and how someone as an entrepreneur navigates those mindset challenges for themselves. So that's what my podcast is about. I release an episode every Tuesday. There's about 113 episodes. There is value in every single one of them. I give an exercise or a tip or something in every single one. And if somebody were to go through and listen to all of my episodes they would actually radically transform their life because it's all of my content and information for free. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, sounds great. And I, as, as always, will include links to uh, to your website and how people can can listen in. As the name of this show is 1% Better, you've given away some very useful tips, whether people take action on them, you know, that's their uh, decision. Uh, is there anything else that, you, you know, one or two more little bits of really useful 
easy, quick kind of hacks that people can apply to to get them out of the funk that they're in or a state that they're in or, or just a, a simple shift in mindset? A really good one is, and um, this is a tactic that Mel Robbins kind of uses, the 5-4-3-2-1 method but I call it the let it go method. When you find your mindset attaching to a past story or a negative belief, and you don't really want to go there and you're aware of it, and you're like, I don't really want to go down that way. If you just simply repeat to yourself, let it go, let it go, let it go, let it go, let it go five times, the odds of you no longer actually attaching to that experience and actually letting it go are very high. Most people don't do that. So in a moment where you're feeling stress come up or anxiety, let it go, let it go, let it go, let it go. That gives enough for your feedback loop to switch gears and go to something different, which is hopefully something more positive. So that's something that people can use in an experience where they're feeling very, you know, very isolated, very stressed in a, in a one-off situation. Mm-hmm. The other, the other really one piece of advice I would give that not enough people put um, time into is forgiveness. And forgiveness is actually an energetic vibration that's very low vibration. And when we hold on to anything that that is resentment or hate or negativity or anything towards other people or ourselves more specifically, we can't ever achieve our peak potential or align with our higher self. And so I want to always encourage people to look at their forgiveness of their life. Like, do you need to forgive yourself? Maybe you're being too hard on yourself. Maybe you need to forgive your mom for that thing that she did that you're still holding on to. Because if you want to get 1% better in your life, you can't get 1%er with that dead weight on your on the bottom of you. And that's the reality of it. And so if people spent more time there, they would see that more aspects of their life would actually improve because it's such a, a low vibrational energetic state that it just holds you down and it really holds people back from getting what they want. And so I really empower people to look into that for themselves. Mm. And you just tapped into vibrations and low that's a low one give, give me examples of just one or two more around vibration because it's just an interesting angle maybe to, to wrap up on cool i'd love to so different vibrations i mean happiness and love is a very high vibrational um anxiety and, and depression and negativity are very low vibrational um feeling sense of accomplishment or a little bit higher vibrational aspects at well but basically what they are they're the states that we we feel right so when we feel anxious and we feel that it's an energetic state that we're within and it's super low vibration, which is why there's such a trigger emotionally inside of us. When you're happy, it's the opposite, right? You're super happy. Everything's feeling better. The energy is lighter at that state. It's moving faster. It's easier to get to you. And so it's it's a, a place that people want to be in. But it's kind of the short form version of energetic states and uh, frequencies. Mm. Do you talk about that on your show? Have you kind of done episodes around vibrations? I have done a few episodes on the podcast. Yes, around energy and vibration and dimensions and all of that stuff. Yep. Okay, well, maybe that's a good way to end it and, and point to people to one of those episodes because I think they're fascinating um, ideas and, and facts, I suppose, the science-backed stuff. So definitely check that out. Danielle, that's great. Give a shout out to your website, how folks can get to it and anything else you want to share before we go. Yeah, so people can reach me at yourmindsetmentor.com. My, my, my podcast is at themindvibe.show and uh, I'm on LinkedIn primarily. So I'd love to connect with you. Anyone who's listening to this, reach out, connect, send me a message. Let me know that you heard this podcast and I'd love to get to know you guys a little bit more. Very good. You might get a few uh, new Irish and European listeners. Woo-hoo. Why not spread it, uh, spread it globally? Um, hopefully, something could, comes out of it. And again, it was lovely to chat to you tonight uh, or today or your afternoon, Danielle. And uh, best of luck with all the work you're doing. I'm sure you'll continue to to be successful. Thank you, Rob. It's been an absolute pleasure. I appreciate you having me on the show. It's great to have you. Thanks a lot. Hey folks, thanks so much for listening to the show. If you enjoyed it, 
could you please consider helping me extend the reach of the podcast that little bit further? You can do that in a number of ways. The number one way is to subscribe on your app of choice. This helps me with the chart ranking, leading to more folks stumbling across the podcast and checking it out. You could also repost it on your social media channels. Any of them would be great. And maybe even tell a friend in person or over the phone, pick up the phone, give them a call and tell them about the 1% Better podcast. Tell them about this episode or one that you've heard in the past. Any will do. I would really appreciate it. In the last year, we set up a 1% Better Slack community, which you can join for free. And interact with me and other members of the community and improve through holding each other accountable and sharing monthly challenges. It's a lot of fun. Check it out. I'm into season four of this incredible journey and the more of these interviews and solo shows that I research, record and share, the better I believe that they get and more loaded with actionable takeaways that you can learn from. I know I've learned so much from it so far and it's always really, really fulfilling and rewarding when I hear from you on what you took from it. So do reach out, rob at robofthegreen.ie. And of everybody that listens, 90% listen and enjoy, but only around 10% actually take action, write down takeaways and put them into practice. I am convinced that if we can move that number a bit higher, the listeners will not only make steps forward towards their goals, but they will be more fulfilled and happy and better. Change doesn't happen overnight. It is hard, but it's all about taking the first step, whatever that is for you. You can absolutely do this. Make a plan, be deliberate, take action. Don't overreach. Start with those small incremental improvements and over time you will see great progress. It's all in the pursuit of betterness. So again, thank you so much for listening. Good luck and stay safe.